You're listening to the Busy Business Women podcast, episode 54, and today we're talking to Paula Maidens all about the pluses and pitfalls of building and developing teams in small business. Now, you might not have a team yet, and that's more than okay, because we're going to be talking about how to get ready to step up into that space. And if you already are a leader with a team behind you, you're going to love this episode too, because we're going to dig into how to delegate better and how to have those difficult conversations. So let's get started. Hi, I'm Faye Hollands and I've been helping time-struck women in business improve their productivity and profit for well over a decade now. And in this podcast, I want to share with you the highs and lows of growing a successful business so that you can avoid the pitfalls, fast-track your progress and build a business that booms faster. This is the Busy Business Women podcast. Hey ladies, Faye Hollands here and thank you so much for joining me and tuning into a brand spanking new episode of the Busy Business Women podcast. Today I'm very lucky to be talking to the beautiful Paula Maidens from Paula Maidens Consulting, who is a gun at helping small businesses grow by building out and sorting out their amazing teams. Now if you're watching us from the show notes or on YouTube, you can see Paula in front of us, so give us a wave Paula. And for those of you listening to, listening to the podcast, you really should go and check out the video too. So Paula, I'm thrilled to have you here. Paula consults on far more than just recruiting. She's teaching business owners how to step up and into their roles as leaders. Paula and I have similar backgrounds and we'll get into this in a little bit more detail shortly. She escaped a corporate career that saw her kicking goals as a corporate recruiter in a big London firm and also an investment banker and a qualified accountant. She's been a business owner for the past 10 years and currently runs two very different businesses. So she knows a thing or two about being your own boss. So without further ado, I'm stoked to welcome you, Paula, onto the Busy Businesswoman podcast. Hello. Hello, and thank you so much for having me, Faith. Absolute pleasure. Awesome to be here. Thank you. I get a sense that we're probably going to go off at all manner of angles, and I'm going to have lots and lots of things to ask you. So I'll start, because as my listeners know, I tend to um, digress and get a bit excited with my guests. So we'll we'll begin (laughs) at the beginning, and uh, I'd like to know a bit about your business journey and your career journey. So you've been in business for a decade. You've run two successful but very different businesses. Why did you become your own boss to start with and how has your career as a business owner evolved over that last decade? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that, um, you know, as you mentioned, uh, you know, previous previous career in corporate, I spent the first eight to nine years in banking and the last sort of five years before I jumped ship, um, you know, in a, in a recruitment firm over in London. So when I was in that firm, I was really quickly promoted to a management role. And the next thing I found myself, you know, running multiple teams of 20 people. And then I was making this big decision to move back home to Australia. And I had to leave it all behind, like this business that I that I'd created for somebody else. I was craving freedom. I was craving being my own boss but more than that I wanted to sort of build my own asset for me so that um, you know it was always you know that work I'd sort of put in was always mine so I came back to Australia and and took the leap and and started a consulting business um, looking only for small businesses, helping small businesses recruit the right people. But then I really quickly realised it doesn't stop there. You obviously Mm. need to keep those people, keep them engaged, make sure they're performing. Um, And so that was the first business. And then four and a half, five years ago, my other little passion, I suppose my hobby, which is yoga, absolutely, absolutely love yoga, qualified as a yoga teacher about five years ago, and I decided to start to share that with the world, that passion, and sort of, you know, because it's changed my life. Um, You know, people people who knew me pre-yoga, 
yogi and post yogi sort of see two very different people. Um, and it helps me be a better mom, a better businesswoman, a better wife. Um, and so, you know, about four or five years ago, we started a yoga studio here in Brisbane, which proudly is now one of Brisbane's, you know, biggest thriving yoga studios and a workplace of choice for all the teachers, which is um, a really big thing to me as well. That's awesome. Do you know what? I'm going to digress almost instantly because I'm so excited about the fact that you're a yoga teacher and then there's so many parallels with work that I did back in my corporate life in London. Uh, but I am vowing to go back to my yoga lessons, uh, like yoga class tonight. <laughs> and I feel like this is a sign from the universe that we're talking and that I should go and do it. Uh, because I think as business owners, you know, we can often forget to look after ourselves and yoga is something, a meditation that comes up time and time again uh, of uh, you know, keeping our head and our body in the right space to be a strong business owner. The businesses that you're running appear on the outside to be wildly different. Do they feel wildly different to you or are there similarities when you think about, I suppose, sales and marketing and all of those great things? How different are they? I mean, it's sort of my role in the businesses feel quite different, sort of, you know, putting on my yoga teaching hat. I teach a couple of classes a week, um, but then I take that hat off and I step behind the scenes and, you know, I'm, I'm sales and marketing, you know, looking at bringing new people in. How do we retain our clients? How do we, you know, you know, increase how much they're spending with us, et cetera. So that is the same, of course, across both businesses. Yeah. Um, but I suppose it's, it's, you know, it's the messaging that, that's different in each business. The target market's very different, but the processes and systems are the same. And I suppose the big thing for me about having the yoga studio is it's, you know, in, in my consulting business, I teach people how to grow awesome teams. And in my yoga business, I've got that proof sitting there. And that's one of those things that actually only dawned on me probably in the last 12 months that I was like, oh, I've used my system to create this amazing team that we have at the yoga studio and and there's the proof in the pudding. So, you know, it's very similar in that I'm teaching people from the consulting perspective. I'm doing it myself, Um, you know, creating the workplace of choice, having the systems, having the processes to, you know, recruit, to attract awesome people to work for us in the yoga studio. Um, So they're similar but very different. So basically your yogis, your yogi staff are guinea pigs for you, aren't they? You can (laughs) test out all of your consulting work on your yoga teachers. I see what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit, a little bit. Over in the yoga studio, we've also got a studio manager. So I made a decision when I started that business, um, you know, four and a half years ago that I didn't want that business to rely on me too much. Mm. And that was probably because of a mistake or not a mistake, a learning that I made when I first started my first business 10 years ago. It was so it revolved around me so much and then I felt the strain of when you go on holidays but you're still working and can I mm-hmm. actually take holidays and working weekends and all those things which I know we all go through so when I started the yoga studio I really consciously set it up with the right processes and structures in place so that this business needs to run without me um, yeah. you know I very soon after um, starting the yoga studio fell pregnant which, which I didn't expect but those you know that support system that I put in place allowed me to actually go have a baby and come back when I chose from maternity leave. I didn't actually take a very long maternity leave. Technically, it was six days. But um, (laughs) what was lovely about that, even though that was probably a little bit soon in hindsight, what was lovely about that was it was all about choice. I came back because I just loved the business and the people so much. I wanted to be back involved and I was curious, like how's the sales, how are the students, what's happening, um, mm. as opposed to being pulled back, um, you know, by, almost by, by force. So I suppose that's my, that's one of my big drivers in life is to be able to have choice. Um, yeah. 
I want, I want the freedom to be able to choose how much I work, um, how much I dial up that I'm working. But if when I want to step back, um, you know, have people around me to keep the business ticking forward and the money coming in ultimately. And that is a really big difference because I think a lot of business owners, uh, I'm generalising here, but, you know, they build this business beast that may be very commercially successful, but ultimately if they want to go away even just for a long weekend, it means that they're chained to their phone or they're, you know, they're trying to watch what's happening because there's not anyone else that can hold the reins for them when they go. And and that's a really important part of being able to grow and scale a business, isn't it? It isn't just reliant on you. Otherwise, you've just created yourself this job as opposed to really a fully-fledged business. So I think we're coming on to some other key things that we want to talk about. Let's first of all talk about kind of some of the biggest challenges you've had in business because I love that you've, you know, whilst both of your businesses are service-based, they're quite, they really are quite different. And I'm, I'm guessing that there's kind of a higher volume from a yo, the yoga studio. Um, mm-hmm. So it throws up different challenges the way that you run those businesses. What have been some of the biggest challenges that you've experienced in either or business? And I'd love to know how you've overcome those. Yeah, I think the two biggest challenges um, in starting any business are people and profit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we can talk about either. So, so if we jump to the profit one first, you know, when you start a business, you're spending a whole bunch of money and as soon as possible, you need to get money coming in with the yoga studio. It was physical rent going out the door. Um, whereas in the consulting business, it's just, you know, the cost of your time, I suppose. And, you know, all the other sort of subscription costs from working online, um, And, and so I suppose, you know, playing around with different models, working out what's profitable, working out how much things actually really cost. Um, and also working out where to spend your money, like what's, what's the right support system for you and who do you invest in to get guidance, advice and support from. Mm. So, you know, and then turning a profit, I suppose, getting to that point where you're turning a profit and it starts to feel, um, satisfying for you because for me, you know, being an accountant, I think is drilled into me, you know, on day one that we're looking for a black profit number, not a red profit number. Um, you know, for me, when, um, you know, getting into the black, getting profitable was a really big thing to achieve quickly. And I saw, I suppose, you know, that was a challenge. And then the way I overcame it was to be a little bit flexible in about how, you know, how the model works. So not being really attached to that original thing that you'd come up with, like tweaking different things, because I think business is all about tweaking and trying, tweaking and trying, um, you know, and and testing and um, analyzing and and trying again and tweaking a little bit more and talking to people and looking at what other people are doing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's definitely the case across both businesses. And I suppose to jump to the second one, people, People um, is, it has definitely always been one of my really big challenges, um, finding the right people, getting really clear on who that is. Like it's all well and good to say how do I find great staff, but actually I think it st- starts before that, being clear on well, what is a great team member to you, you know, you as the business owner, you know, is that somebody sitting next to you? Is that somebody who's really, really chatty? Is that somebody who works remotely away from you and you don't have to talk to very often? Like, and sort of getting really clear and looking at yourself in the mirror going, what do I need based on my style, what I'm trying to build? And, you know, being honest with yourself about the sort of leader that you can and will be, like how much you're willing to train and be involved, etc. And so then finding those people and then, of course, keeping them and making sure that they're motivated, they're happy, they want to stay, but more importantly, they're producing 
using what you want them to do. Um, and I suppose, you know, the challenge around that, if I'm honest, is I've had lots of sleepless nights over the last 10 years, worrying mm. that somebody might leave, worrying um, that if somebody or, or when has somebody has left by surprise, you know, what that means for me and my business. So that whole, um, you know, systemization and one of the big things I'm passionate about teaching now is setting up systems so that you're not stressing. If somebody leaves, it's okay because you've got processes and systems in place. Your business will continue without the load dropping to you. Yeah. Um, and, and little ways that you can actually incrementally create that as opposed to one day sitting down going, right, I have to document every process in my system. Like you can do it in bite-sized bits as you go mm-hmm. to create them. So the big, the two big challenges, people profit. And I suppose the way I've overcome them, you know, it's, it's no silver bullet, I suppose, for either one, but it's a lot of tweaking and testing and a lot of, you know, getting real with myself. You know, what's my role here? What can I be doing better? Yeah. Um, my part of the problem here, what do I, what am I ignoring? Yeah, absolutely. Looking internally. I love what you've just said. The things that stand out for me are, you know, instantly the accountant came out in you talking about profit, but it's so refreshing because so often, again, generalizations, but they're based on kind of 13 years of business coaching are that uh, many women in business are not looking at their numbers. They're not looking closely enough at their numbers. And you talked about um, measuring, like testing and measuring, looking at what's working, um, not being afraid of those numbers, not thinking that they're scary. And it's quite simple to get your head around them, the key things that you need to be looking at regularly, but being open to doing that and look and being consistent with that review and testing and measuring what's working. And then also from a people perspective, I love what you said about what is it that you want the people to look like in your business? So rather than going down a path of thinking that you've got to have a certain number of people in your team and it's a, a physical team in your office or, you know, the, I suppose, you know, what you perceive is to be the right team makeup for your business may not be how you want to run your business. You may only want a remote team. You may not want to run a business with lots of staff. You know, what does it really want? What do you really want it to look like? And actually making that happen. I knew for, for myself, I didn't want a massive team. I didn't want to not work in my house. I didn't want to have lots of people sitting around me. And so when people see me on video or see my office, it's purposeful. It's, this is how I want it to be. And being yeah. really honest with myself about that. So I love that those are things that you've brought up and also where you've had the challenges and, and how how much you look inwardly at yourself rather than when things have gone wrong, who can you blame? Because that's really empowering. Okay. So let's talk about teams and uh, stepping up as leaders in small business. Now, for many of the listeners of this podcast, they've got super small teams, maybe one or two staff members, and they possibly don't see themselves as a leader in their business just yet. That word may not resonate with them at all. They're feeling like they're at the coalface of their business, doing the day-to-day and happen to have a couple of uh, employees or contractors around them to help with that. What are your thoughts? on not seeing yourself as a leader at that micro level? I think that um, I think it's okay. Like I don't think it matters too much what you call it. So if for whatever reason you don't like that word, I think that's totally okay. Um, you know, to be honest, I actually only uh, acknowledged I was an entrepreneur probably in the last 18 months. For whatever reason, that word didn't work for me. So, um, you know, whether, whether you're a boss, a lady boss, <laughs> you know, a manager, a leader, at the end of the day, if you think of your business as a ship 
that you you have to steer the ship. You yeah. have to set the direction. You have to decide where the ship's going and you have to set the pace. So how fast do we want to get there? When do I want us to get there? So and if you don't do that, then the crew, the people actually, you know, operating the steering wheel, do ships have steering wheel? They, um, the, the people actually operating my ship, it does. <laughs> People actually operating the steering wheels will make those decisions for you. So whether you actually think of yourself as a leader, you're in charge, you're setting the direction and you're deciding because it's your business. And I think that that's one of the big mistakes that business owners make is that they're looking around and sometimes we replicate what other people are doing or we take what somebody else is doing and we think it's, you know, the exact steps that we have to follow. Whereas actually your business is always unique. Um, Just like you, your office, where you're working, it's unique to you and you've decided that consciously. So, um, you know, you are a leader, whether you like the term or not, in whatever format, go with whatever word works for you. But just know that you've got to steer the ship, you've got to create the destination for the ship, and you've got to set the pace for for how fast you want, you know, the ship to get to its destination. And I think that... um, where I see that coming out from in people challenges and, you know, whether you've got one, two or 10 uh, team members around you and they can be outsourced employees, it doesn't matter. I think that people will come into your business with previous experience and this, and they make assumptions based on that previous experience they've had. So if you're not really clear on your direction, your pace and how, you know, what path you want people to navigate with the best of intentions, your team will decide that for you. And what I don't want and what I see is people waking up two, three, four years down the track going, oh, how did I get here? How did I find myself having a 7 a.m. Monday morning meeting every week? How did I find myself with somebody coming? I was speaking, one of my clients was challenged because, you know, her team or a particular team member used to come to her office and work for her office on a day and she'd be like, I want to work on my own. And it's like, well, how did this happen? So, you know, you, you, yeah. you set the direction yourself. So it's easy peasy, we can fix it up. Um, but that's kind of what I mean. So, you know, whether you call yourself a leader, you're, you're in charge, you're setting the direction. Find yeah. a word that works with you and call yourself that and, and step up to that. Mm. I had somebody ask me at a mastermind event, I was a member of a business coaching community for me to learn a couple of years ago. I had somebody ask me at a dinner um, about leadership and did I consider myself a leader? And I instinctively said no. And it's it's kind of played in my mind for a while and I really shifted that thinking. But I think for me that came from working in really big corporates. So in investment banking, same as you and in big four accounting firms. And in my mind, leaders then were the board level or, you know, not necessarily that high, but they had big teams. And so when people talked about leadership to me, and this is only a couple of years ago, it just didn't resonate with me. And I had this moment of, hang on a fact, you have quite a big community and you have quite a lot of clients and you are steering that ship. And whether that word resonates or not, you are leading those people in a direction. And I like the word leadership now, it resonates with me, but I think you're absolutely right. It doesn't matter whether you've got one staff member or loads, you need to decide in the direction that you're taking. You're taking those people with you. And if you don't decide on the direction and how you're going to get there, someone else will, just like the way that we spend our time. That's what happens with the way we spend our time too. And you may not like the direction that it goes in. So there's a lot of parallels. I mean, you know, I love productivity. There's a lot of parallels there with leadership and time management. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's talk about a tricky situation, underperforming staff. Um, and this is something that's come up many times with my clients. 
uh, when, you know, they'll just throw out a converse, a quick question about, you know, my staff member isn't quite doing what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, how do I approach that conversation? So what can people do if they've got someone that isn't performing or they're not doing what you want them to do? What's the best way to deal with that kind of difficult, uncomfortable, icky conversation? Yeah. So the answer is probably a little bit more simple than what people would like me to say, but it comes down to talk to them. Yeah. So what I find is that when somebody's not performing or you're getting annoyed with somebody, um, you tend to pull away. That's what I see. You want to spend less time with them. You start to disengage. The person starts giving you the shits and you just want to spend less and less time with them. <laughs> so depending, obviously it's unique to every situation, but if the person's reasonably new, then I, then, you know, I suppose in every single situation, particularly if the person's new, I encourage you to lean in and have a conversation with the person. Now, I understand that the feeling's like this is an icky conversation, it's difficult, I don't want to be mean, this is going to be confronting. All those are thoughts, you know, they're emotional thoughts. But if we step back and say, well, I'm the leader or I'm in charge and I'm in charge of setting the direction, it's actually my job to correct this person. So one of the terms that I love to talk about is having a correcting conversation, correcting assumptions that have been made, incorrect assumptions, as opposed to having a difficult conversation or a confronting conversation. So mm. try to remove the emotion from it. So if the person is reasonably new, it, it should be easier because you can just jump in and be like, oh, hey, maybe I didn't explain myself well enough. This is what I'm looking for. Hey, talk me through why you did it this way because I was thinking it was going to look more like this. Mm. If the person's been around for a little bit longer it can feel a bit harder because patterns and things have been established and the person may think that well I've always done it like this um, and they may have sort of made because often if we don't say anything we're actually we are saying something and that is what you're doing is fine so it's almost like we're encouraging a behaviour by not bringing it up. So, yeah. you know, the key to having a difficult conversation or dealing with an underperforming team member is to lean in and talk to them and stop viewing it as a difficult emotional conversation and just view it like it's your job. So it's my job to let everybody know what the business needs yeah. um, and I need to dig around and find out why this is happening, um, what assumptions have been made, how you came to make those assumptions, and then work out, is it, a, is it a training issue? Do you not know how to do it? Do you need support? Is actually there's a process missing? Is there, oh, gosh, maybe I haven't actually explained the bigger picture here so if somebody doesn't have context. And so if we go at those conversations with a curious mind, mm -hmm. uh, keen just to understand and talk about business outcomes and results, then that emotion seems to go away and it comes back to being just a conversation. Yeah, I love that. It's very calming even just watching you talk about that uh, because it's a completely different perspective and the, the change of words can make a massive difference. I think also it's having those conversations sooner rather than later. Like when you're talking, I'm also thinking that for our listeners who may not have any staff, but they may be outsourcing work, let's say, for example, to a VA or copywriting or website design, like I've seen the things that you're talking about I've seen those things go wrong because of a lack of conversation. So somebody's website isn't looking the way that they wanted it to, but they've not communicated effectively with the web designer. And then it's got, it started to feel a bit difficult and a bit tricky. And so it's manifested in their mind. And so instead of have the conversation, they're withdrawing and they're thinking, if I just sit there long enough, suddenly the website will magically appear looking wonderful. And when they do have to have that conversation, it's become much bigger in their mind 
And so then it becomes becomes more difficult. And I think that that's, as, you know, my mind has very distinct parallels with running a team and having those trickier conversations with, you know, a physical people in your in your office, for example. Does that does that resonate with you? Absolutely. And I think that this concept absolutely applies to if you're briefing your external web designer or if you're briefing your virtual assistant, as you said, or if you're briefing, you know, the person who might be a full-time employee joining you. Um, what I see is that when things start to go wrong, you as the business owner, you go and tell other people about it. You might go home to talk to your partner. You might go and talk to your business group about it. You might start writing in Facebook. You start talking to everybody else but the person. And what you said is just so right. And then you, it's almost like we sit there with our fingers crossed, hoping that the person is magically going to work out this annoyance that we have and fix it. Whereas if we can just bring it back to, oh, okay, so it's my job to set the business direction and perhaps I wasn't that clear in the way I explained it. And that's okay because communication's tough. So we just sort of say, come at it from that perspective. And the reason um, things go pear-shaped is due to assumptions or a lack of a good description about what success means to you. So mm. if we come back to every business is different, your business is totally different to the person down the road, your competitors, whoever, you know, you need to articulate to your team member or your website designer what makes it different and what your idea of success looks like. So if we put that into a real-life scenario, my idea of success might be you completing this website within two weeks. Is that possible? Or if you find yourself two weeks down the track and you haven't even seen a first draft, you're starting to get annoyed rather than going home and talking to your partner or maybe as well as, you know, lean in and say, hey, one of the things I realised we never talked about was timeframes. What's your normal time frame? When do you think about getting this to me? I was actually hoping to see something within a two-week period. Yes. So taking it from that emotionally charged, um, oh, no, everything's going wrong perspective to oh, I'm just going to correct there's probably an assumption here that's been made. Let me dig around and work out what it is. And then that gives the other person the opportunity to explain to you why and what they've done. And I suppose, you know, down the track from a performance management perspective, if you've got somebody that's been working with you for a while and you've been having these conversations for a while, they can't go on forever. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's going to become obvious to the person. And in fact, they'll probably come to you and say, this isn't really working, is it? Because, you know, you're continuing to have these conversations that are a bit like, oh, actually what I was looking for is this. Or, yeah. oh, when I, when I talked about you creating my social media, I meant actually creating the content, the memes, scheduling it, posting it, but, you know, making sure that I'd approved it first. Oh, I thought when you said come and do your social media, you were going to create the content and I was just going to analyse the numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's these assumptions that are the unspoken things, which is why things go wrong. Yeah. So true. I really love that correcting conversations. I'm going to use that with my husband. Is that okay? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to tell him Paula told me so. (laughs) Have a correcting conversation about our situation. (laughs) 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 Okay. So let's talk about biggest mistakes entrepreneurs make when it comes to building their teams. What are you seeing going on? Because for those people that don't have teams yet, but would like to, this is going to save their bacon. And for those who have got teams and things might not be going to plan, this is hopefully going to bring some calm and clarity to their chaos. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the big thing I see is people or business owners not investing in people. So typically when we get to that stage where we go, okay, I need help, let's get some people on board around me. We reach that point or we make that decision because we're time poor. 
We're usually stressed, yep. overwhelmed, um, and we don't have a lot of time. And then suddenly we've found somebody else um, and, you know, and that person comes on board and they need our time. And it's almost like it's the, it's the thing we have the least of. But actually that investment in time with the new person up front is actually what sets them and you up for success. Mm. So that's probably one of the biggest things that I see. Somebody starts, you chat to them for an hour and then you go, oh, thank goodness, I don't need to do this anymore and you just go and retreat. Um, yeah. You know, those early conversations are huge. So that's one of the biggest mistakes I see people making. Um, and then the second probably uh, big mistake I see people making is in relation to how they choose who joins them. What I see is people um, choosing the first person who comes across their path. Um, you know, perhaps a friend says, oh, I'm interested in some work and, you know, I'm thinking about doing some admin and then you go, oh, I need help and you, and you pull them in, um, which, which may well work for you, but without that consciousness around what do I need them to do, what would success look like for somebody joining my business, um, how much can I afford to pay and where's that money going to come from and when, it's, when is it going to start coming back into the business? So, you know, some consciousness yeah. around that. And or it might be, um, oh, Faith's got a new graphic designer. Awesome. Faith, give me her name or his name and I'm going to start using that person because you said they were good. Yep. And not actually doing your own assessment based on what you need and what's right for you and what your style is. Um, so I suppose it's almost like that, um, you know, that reactiveness around mm. choosing the person. And when we, when we are reactive and then we don't invest in the person from the outset, then we find ourselves down the track, 12 months time, six months time, three years time going, oh, is this actually where I wanted to be? Yeah. So that's, that's the biggest thing that I see. And I, and I totally understand it because I've been there and we're busy, but it's, it is actually that investment of time up front. Um, and there are heap technologies on our side these days. We can make all the communication and the explaining um, and, you know, that sharing of information in the early days with a new person easy. You know, you can record Loom videos, which is a free software tool, just as you go. And I suppose if we put a bit of planning in place and so we think, okay, we're going to bring someone on board, they're going to start it maybe in about a month's time, I'm going to start recording everything I do now, start recording some of the systems and the processes and stuff, so when they start, they can just watch those videos and then we have a chat at the end of their first day. Yeah. And maybe you talk to a person every day for their first week and then every week for the first month and then you move into a more systemized catch-up that feels right based on the work that the person's doing. Mm. I, yeah, it's so much is resonating with me because I think a lot of people in small business, it's a knee-jerk reaction of, yay, I'm kind of, you know, under the pump and I can afford to bring someone on, so I'm just going to do this pretty quickly. And the opposite end of the spectrum to that is I'm thinking back to corporate days and, you know, having been a recruiter as well and worked in big teams, the effort and time and money that's put into hiring the right people, you know, maybe sometimes five or six interviews, psychometric testing, meeting an entire team a big company has the resources to do that but they're doing it for a reason and uh, it's not that a big team a big company can necessarily afford to hire the wrong people but if you think of smaller businesses if they don't get that process right and think carefully about what they need the ramifications are that the impact of that wrong hire on the small business is way more significant than on the big one that can afford the loss Totally. That makes sense. Like, you know, if I hire the wrong person and they're sitting next to me there tomorrow, that is going to be extremely painful for me. Whereas in a big company, in a big investment bank, you don't feel it as much. And you're 
profit margin can probably absorb it and there are other people around who can pick up the slack if that person doesn't actually do what they need to do. Absolutely. So I think somewhere somewhere in between is probably about right. I don't think that a five to six stage interview process. (laughs) Goodness. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) But I do think I do think you need to spend, say, you know, if we want to put some parameters around it, I do think you need then up to an hour face-to-face talking to the person and by face-to-face it doesn't need to be physical face-to-face it could be you know like this on zoom or skype Mm -hmm. or something like that and just digging around into somebody's previous experience and looking and looking to understand how that's going to transfer into your business Mm -hmm. i think the biggest thing that we need to do when we're hiring is look for the gaps So how similar is what you've done before based on what I want you to do? So tell me about that marketing campaign you've created for that other business. Oh, okay. Well, that's a little bit different to what I'm looking for. I'm looking for so that you're not surprised down the track. So it's almost making you're making that hiring decision consciously. So it's somewhere between sort of, you know, if you want to put some rules around it, don't have a five-minute coffee and and make a decision based on that. Mm. Don't do five to six stages, (laughs) um, you know, but do spend a good hour with the person at least and then walk away and think, you know, what, what what would success look like? So what will make me skip down the street at the end of the day if this person was doing and what would make me disappointed? And then if you need to, have a second chat to the person and clarify it. And I think what we sometimes overlook, and perhaps it's because some of us have experienced those five to six stage interviews, is that it's just as much in the person you're engaging's favour and benefit for them to get as much info about what you're hoping them hoping that they'll do as it is for you to suss out is this person right for me it's actually and what we're looking for is a truly mutual fit um so you need to spend a bit of time with them up front saying this is what I'm thinking even if you're not that clear have put that out there and say look I'm not clear on my marketing strategy I'm looking for someone to come in and help me create that I've got ideas around Facebook and Pinterest and this and that how does that sit with you what have you done before and just explore Um, it's as much for them as it is for you to feel confident because what I see is that if you're not confident in the person you've chosen then you're not going to invest that time because Mm. your time's short yeah you know you don't want to give it up um and but if you're more confident that this person's on board they're the right person I'm pretty sure they're going to help me you know kick my goals then you're more willing to spend that hour on the first day or do those videos or communicate with them um because you're feeling more confident completely and I think that is you know the tricky part is it's not just the hiring and getting the right person but it's then when they're on board if you're strapped for time and you're a solo business owner and this might be your first hire or you've got a very small team you're wanting someone to be up to speed really quickly but if you don't invest the time and energy into them then then it's possibly going to go really south so being able to manage your productivity well, recognise it's going to be an investment of time and energy up front and you might feel a bit strapped in doing that. But when it's done right, the returns can be fantastic and when it's done wrong, it can be very painful. (laughs) And you get to do it in a way that works for you, whether that's like, you know, Voxer on your app when you're going for a walk, walking the dog, being like, hey, I just want to talk you through my business and why I started it, what I'm hoping to achieve, blah, blah, blah. It might be sitting in front of a computer recording your screen. Like it gets to be in a way that, feels easy for you and I suppose if you're um you know my biggest tip is over communicate yes yeah. over communicate like you know get verbal diarrhea <laughs> 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 one of my favorite um, things <laughs> 
<laughs> and just talk and talk and talk and talk and just, yeah. you know, try to think what might they make assumptions about and how can I strip that away? You know how that other business does this? The reason we don't do this is because of this and blah, 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 you know, just share. Yeah. And how lucky are we that the day and age that we're running businesses in, there are so many tools, most of which are free, that allow us to do that oversharing really, really well. So like Bongiorno is a great way of onboarding people. Like there's so many tools, like you mentioned, Loom is brilliant. There really is no excuse for not sharing enough information in a way that people absorb it. So on that note of productivity, right, let's talk about your productivity because I know that you're a busy bee who's juggling motherhood, businesses, loads of things going on. I'd like to know how you're managing that. So what strategies do you use? And then if you've got any tips around hacks, um, apps, anything like that, just give it to us all. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so look, it, well, for a start, it's far from perfect, but I'll try and tell you, I'll tell you to, uh, what my constant work in progress is. Um, the biggest thing for me is that I get time for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, if I need, um, I need to recharge alone. Um, so for me, whether it's doing a yoga class, going for a walk or having a quiet coffee, um, I, I get that time for myself. And I, and I, I diarise it. Like I sort of make sure that happens. Um, and my husband's now learned that I'm a better human being and he wants me to have that time to myself too. So that, <laughs> that's all good. I really lo- I've just got to interrupt you there because I really love that you said I need to recharge alone. I'm going to write those two words down, recharge alone, because I reckon so many of our listeners have just gone, oh, yes, that's me. Like I Yes, I recharge in other ways with people, but I really do need that alone time. And I've not heard anyone say that before, but that really resonates with me. So thank you. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. And so I suppose I regularly take that time um, and I've dropped the guilt around it because I I now know that that's what I need to do to just be a better human. And that was one of the, um, you know, one of the, I suppose, dropping across to to my yoga experience. Um, One of the things I love to share with people who who are joining me for the first time doing yoga is that, you know, what was it? long time ago now, 2004, 2005, um, I used to put a yoga class in my diary. So, so Faye, you need to hop off the phone and go and diarise your yoga class tonight. Yes. And one of my team members who had access to my diary saw that and she said to me at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, hey, are you going to get to yoga today? Um, is there anything I can do to help you get there? And I, pro- I was quite stressed. So I probably quite rudely said, well, no, well, what's it to you? And she said, oh, we all like you so much better when you go to yoga. And oh. so she was representing my team of 20 to let me know they all wanted me to go to yoga. And she was like, yeah, it's like when you haven't had coffee, you suck. Can I help you get to yoga? So I suppose, you know, that's why I go to yoga and that's why I get time for myself because I know it actually benefits everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so then so I'm quite conscious about that. I'm also really conscious about making sure I spend quality time with my family, whether that's my little boy or whether that's my husband. Um, you know, I put my phone down, I close my computer and I don't try to multitask around them. Um, if I have to do work on the weekends, which absolutely comes up, and if, you know, you know when something's weighing on your mind and you think, I just, I just need another half an hour, I yeah. Need another hour. I actually say that. I say, hey, I just need half an hour, as opposed to you watch the TV and I'm going to just try and, you know, sneak it in because I've just found that doesn't work for me or my family. So I, I spend quality time with them. And then I have paid care for my little boy. So he goes to kindy, we have a nanny and, you know, I paid for that care really early on. And because, you know, I'm an accountant, as soon as money's going out the door, I'm so conscious of, well, how do I get that money back? And I pedal to the metal. I put my head down and I work hard and fast in 
in that paid time, in that time I'm paying somebody else. Mm. Um, you know, right down to, you know, if people want to have coffee with me and whatnot, like friends, I think to myself, well, how important is that in the scheme of, you know, my priorities? So I'm so big on prioritising because I think, well, if I'm paying for somebody to look after Maxi, then I need to be, you know, maximising that. And sometimes yeah. that is about having a quiet coffee for a recharge um, or it's about work. So I work when I work. I'm at home when I'm at home with my family. When it's when it's time for me, it's time for me. So I suppose you know I kind of it's boundaries, and it's having boundaries around each of those things is how I, um, you know, get through life. And it's not always perfect. It is definitely not always perfect. I'm, <laughs> I you know last I think last week or the week before we went on a little holiday, um, you know, trip which sort of snuck up on me, and I wasn't quite expecting it. And I and I it was definitely a working holiday, but it was about me saying I need an hour, me going to a coffee shop, head down for an hour, and then coming back. So, yeah. yeah, so that's sort of my productivity. But, you know, the self-care, I definitely do yoga. I go for walks. I keep myself fit and healthy. Um, you know, when I'm sitting at the desk, I try and get up and move around um, and just try and keep my body as, as, as healthy as it can be as well and, you know, fuel it with coffee and good food. <laughs> well, it does make a difference, doesn't it? And I love that your staff recognise that and then one person was a cheerleader to say, hey, Paula, off you go to yoga. That's really great good. Girl. What a brave girl. Exactly. And I noticed exactly the same for me. When I'm not exercising, I'm not as nice a parent, wife, friend, you know, business coach, the rest of it. It makes a big difference. And Mm. none of us are getting this stuff perfect. I think sometimes when we come out with these lists, it can be like, oh, you know, we've got these 15 different things we're doing every single day. None of us are nailing them every single day, but we've got a plan of attack, a framework, some boundaries, and, uh, you know, we can do our best and and that's what's important. And everything that you just said resonates with me. I think you're somebody that likes some structure and routine and it works well in business, right, when you're juggling so many balls. So it's really resonating. Go right, we'll just forgive ourselves and reset and start again. Exactly. Maybe, maybe tomorrow will be better. Let's go. <laughs> Love your attitude. Yeah. Now, talking of attitudes, I reckon that you might have a quote or a mantra in your stock there that um, inspires you over the years. Is there a is there a quote or a mantra that you'd like to share with us? Oh, done is better than perfect. Yes. Oh, my God. Didn't know you were going to say that. Absolutely yeah. bloody love it. Or imperfect action, something like that. I just think, yep. you know, every day I'm thinking how do I move forward? How do I move forward? And, you know, I think when you get stuck and you're trying to look for the perfect, that's that's when you get stuck, when you're looking for the perfect way or you're looking for somebody to tell you the exact steps. So, you know, done is better than perfect. In, yeah, done is better than perfect is absolutely my, my quote of choice. I so love that you picked that because I ran on about progress over perfection as um, being a reformed perfectionist. Yeah. You know, I have to really watch myself on that. So thank you. I love that one. Yeah. All right. Oh, it's been a pleasure. There's so much more we could have talked about, but in the interest of time and productivity, I'm going to let you go in a moment. So first of all, listeners, if you would like to get in contact with Paula and follow the fabulous work that she's doing and lap up more of her goodness, all you need to do is head over to the show notes, which are at busybusinesswomen.biz forward slash podcast 54, and they will all be there for you. Or you can go and check her out right now at paulamaidens.com. She's also on Facebook, Paula Maidens Building Awesome Teams, and Instagram, Paula Maidens Consulting. 
as I said, all of the links will be on the show notes. So just head over to there. Now you do have a fabulous freebie for us, don't you? Absolutely. It's the five mistakes that entrepreneurs make when building teams. So I suggest you pop over and grab that. Um, and that'll just share with you just the common things. We've talked about a few of them today, but there's a couple more there just so that when you are starting to build out your team, or perhaps if you already have one, a bit of a checklist for you to think, am I doing that? With some really simple tweaks that you can sort of, you know, action straight away. So that's over at paulamaidens.com forward slash five hyphen mistakes. And I think that'll probably go on the show notes as well. So pop over and grab that. It will be there. So if you haven't got a team yet, go and check it out because it will save you a lot of pain. And if you have got one, go and check it out so you can reduce that pain. Uh, I also highly recommend you go and check out Paula's videos. I saw them on her Facebook page when I was doing a little bit of stalking. Um, And if you haven't watched the video to this podcast yet, go and do it because Paula's wonderful on camera and um, (laughs) totally got me across the line of, yes, I need to have you on the podcast. So go and check out her video. She's got heaps on Facebook and they're really, really worth watching. So before I wrap up, Paula, is there anything you want to leave us with? Just a, just a huge big thank you for having me and um, good luck everybody. And I really hope that, you know, you build your teams and they become the force that you want them to be to go and kick your goals. So good luck everyone. So exciting. Thank you so much for coming onto the show and sharing your goodness with us. I really appreciate it. You've got a fabulous energy and uh, yeah, a lot of what you said today really resonates with me. I know it will with our listeners. So thank you so much for being here and sharing with us. My pleasure. Listeners, if you've enjoyed this episode, I would love you to leave a lovely little review on iTunes, please. And if you'd like to hang out some more, I'd love to see you over on Facebook and Instagram. I'm at Busy Business Women and you can find lots of biz building goodness over on the website at Busy Business swimming.biz. So thank you so much for tuning in today. I really appreciate it. I'll be back next week with more inspiration to help you build a business that booms. But until the next time, I'm Faye Hollands and you've been listening to Paula Maidens on the Busy Business Women podcast. Bye-bye.